Right, what's up guys welcome to this episode of the g team podcast the g team is a group of young people dedicated to providing people with the knowledge to make the most of their life sharing practical ways to maximize productivity and offering support to those who need it to create a more fulfilled life my name is peter and i'm olu and we're your hosts for this podcast thanks for tuning in and i hope you enjoy listening Welcome to another episode of the G-Team podcast. Today, I'm joined by a professor of digital and distributed learning at the University of Portsmouth, it's Ali. Um, do you want to just give yourself a quick, quick introduction? Sure. Um, uh, as um, Dean of Digital and Distributed Learning, it is my responsibility to provide leadership in uh, learning innovation, uh, the application of uh, digital tools in learning and teaching, and um, the development, application, deployment and evaluation of the university's digital success plan for learning and teaching. Uh, prior to my post at Portsmouth, I was Dean of Learning and Teaching at the University of Northampton, where I uh, developed uh, a, an approach, an institution-wide approach to learning and teaching known now as active blended learning. Well, thank you very much for the introduction there. And you can't guess by now, had a little bit of a clue now, this, this episode is going to be about education. And I've got a nice little quote from a famous scientist, famous physicist. And that is, education is what remains after one has forgotten what one has learned in school. And that kind of might be contradictory to what some people might think education is. Some people think that, you know, education is going through primary school, secondary school. Um, going on to higher education maybe and getting yourself a certificate and a bunch of grades but this quote is kind of saying there's something a little bit deeper than that there are certain things in the classroom that you, that you will remember um, and there's other things that maybe aren't so useful <laughs> that tend to tend to tail off so I want to ask now why is education important <laughs> um yeah. Well, uh, that's a broad one and, and, and a very philosophical one and can be uh, tackled on many levels. Um, one of the uh, ways in which you can tackle that question is by uh, applying the, um, uh, the absurd logic of uh, what would happen to us and to the world and to humanity if there wasn't education. Where would we be? Uh, perhaps we are where we are because of uh, the education of those who happen to be in positions of command or leadership, uh, or rather the lack of it. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so why is education important? It is, it is important because of survival. It is important because uh, without it, uh, we might... Uh, I mean, we, we, we might disappear even with it, uh, never mind without it. So um, <clears throat> th th there is, there is um, um, I, I would argue, an, a, natural, uh, a natural desire, a natural eagerness uh, of human beings to push boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a, it's, and, and, and in order to push boundaries in a in a rationalized, evidence-based manner, uh, you've got to have uh, baselines, you've got to have methods, you've got to have processes. Uh, 
if those boundaries are to help others as well as help ourselves, <clears throat> then you cannot just rely on common sense. You've got to rely on uh, knowledge, expertise uh, and experience that others before you and before, before us have uh, acquired and developed over time. Uh, the role of education is therefore to, to use, to apply and to grow that, um, shall we call it, database and give, and give other people the opportunity to take ownership of that database, expand it, expand it and push the boundaries in order to make the database uh, more um, accessible, more inclusive, more, uh, uh, more all-encompassing uh, and, and, and ultimately to, to at least give us a chance to survive. And, and, and looking at, at, at the world today, uh, that is, 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 is acquiring a more and more critical uh, stance in, 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 in the world. So, uh, so there are many reasons why education is important, but uh, survival mm -hmm. is the one. Yeah, so that's quite a almost inspiring message, you know, standing on the, on the shoulders of, of giants, like standing on the people who have gone before us having the benefit of all that knowledge and like also just having you know, the ability to use it and implement it in new ways. So education, at least from what you told me, we know it's important now and we know that it can be very useful. But it's also that the systems of education that we use right now, they're not necessarily perfect. They're not um, you know, as refined as they could be. So I was wondering, let's just use the UK for an example. Like, What would you say the key issues are within education here, uh, maybe start at a primary school level and up to secondary and um, talk about higher education as well. Um, well, the, 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 there is huge potential for your question to, to trigger controversial responses uh, <clears throat> because uh, th th there, are, there are many challenges around the world. Uh, in, in my, my area of of, of focus is higher education, as you know. <clears throat> so I know a lot less about other sectors, um, but I can, but I can, um, uh, I, I, I can um, reflect on how uh, education at other levels impact or influence or shape what, what's happening in higher education yeah. today. Um, the one, one of the one of the issues I, I, I continue to, to to see day in and day out is is this obsession with the marketization of of knowledge and uh, and the the notion that you do a university degree because you want a job and because a job will give you money to pay bills. Uh, and that is an extremely sad state of affairs. Yeah. You, do, you do education because it pays bills. Now, is, isn't that awful? Uh, is, where, where is, where is the, the passion for learning? Where is the passion for pushing boundaries? Is it all gone? Um, if, if, if all we do is that, then I, I don't think uh, our future is bright. <clears throat> so for me, that's a, that's a major one. Uh, it's this, this notion that... Uh, that you go through education uh, because you need a job and because you have to pay bills. 
Um, there are many other issues uh, unrelated or at least not directly related to to monetization of knowledge or to marketization of knowledge. <clears throat> um, and, and, and they've got to, I mean, they, they, they've got to do with the uh, with motivation, with performance, with um, uh, recognition of that performance, and 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 the and, and the social attitude to those uh, of, to to the above. Uh, so, uh, for example, coming from a very uh, different culture myself, uh, I, I I came to the UK and realised that uh, the, the 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 primary concern is. Uh, is is helping people achieve, uh, and and that's a very laudable thing to do, uh, and 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 in the spirit of that, and in the with with that with that aim in mind, universities in particular uh, do all sorts of things to attract students to study with them, and then to help them progress, uh, move from level to level, and and complete. Uh, the universities create uh, algorithms to, to to determine degree classifications, for example. Now, those algorithms are in many cases bordering on the unethical. Uh, they do not provide a true a true um, representation of somebody's performance. They discount discount modules and 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 and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and pieces of assessment left right and center uh, which i think is very peculiar and do not really uh in my view do not really provide a reliable evidence base um so this 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 notion of of inflate 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 and ignore what didn't what didn't really meet the, those standards mm -hmm. is for me a major issue in this country and in others, but particularly here. Um, <clears throat> so it's I, I, I fully support the, uh, the 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 desire from institutions, from the government to help people to achieve. Uh, but um, are we doing them a favour or a or a disfavour uh, by by giving them uh, grades, marks, and qualifications uh, when they haven't achieved? Um, so that's that's one. And another, just to to give you one more from the other side of the counter, is um, is is teaching quality. Uh, and 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 for me, particularly in higher education, the quality of teaching practice uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, and that's that's part of what keeps me busy. <clears throat> On the one hand, you have extraordinary practice. Uh, that that does inspire and transform, uh, and on the other, you got practices that you wonder why why are you in this profession? Why didn't you just go and do something else with your life? Don't don't teach in higher education. You can't do it, and you have been trained over and over again, and you continue to be unable to do it, as the evidence from your students' feedback demonstrates year after year after year. Do something else. For me, that is that is another major major one. Yeah, so like what you just touched on there, you, know, you talk about having sort of linear progression and like like in, in everyone's mind, you, you start at the uni stage where you go and you get your degree and that's so you can get a job, so you can pay bills. But you can even sort of extrapolate that backwards and, you know, you look at A-levels 
kids are, are 16, they're choosing their, their A-level results. I'm sorry, their, their A-level subjects. And that's almost determining where they can go in the future in terms of higher education. And, you know, by determining at that point which, which sort of degrees they can study, they're, they're also you know, then narrowing down the, the, the jobs that they can go for in the future. And, you know, you've mentioned as well the quality of teaching. I think everyone can recall a teacher that they had that sort of made them tick or a teacher that they had that sort of inspired them and made mm -hmm. them, you know, passionate about a particular subject. It doesn't necessarily have to be academic. It could be in any, mm -hmm. any sort of field. It could be you know, sports, it could be arts, it could be, it could be anything. I, want, I just wondered if you could touch on, you know, the importance, like the, the importance of having um, those teachers and the importance of like, of educators and the, the responsibility they have to sort of employ some of that that inspiration and to sort of you know infuse their students rather than you know like as you as you mentioned you, you can get these these teachers at universities who you know they they've got years and years of, of terrible feedback from students and they shouldn't really be in that profession and it's that is damaging to students as well because when you have a teacher that sort of is so uninspiring that that makes a subject really dull that you know one of the students in their cohort could be the next person who's going to you know you mentioned earlier break boundaries make big breakthroughs so i just wanted i was wondering you know what what responsibility and like how important is it for these teachers to sort of play that role for for, for students well uh, everyone everyone seems to uh, like the phrase uh, a, a good teachers change lives. Mm -hmm. the, the bit that they don't say is that bad teachers change lives too, uh, yeah. in the other direction. Uh, and bad teachers change lives to the point that they can they can they can play a major pivotal role in somebody's future decisions and in somebody's future full stop. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and that happens at all levels, but it happens particularly when uh, when the teacher concerned has never actually learned how to teach and has only been repeating practices that were applied or imposed on them when they were studying, uh, and that that is highly highly problematic. <clears throat> um, there are endless stories about uh, uh, people who succeeded not because of teachers, but despite their teachers. Yeah. And uh, uh, so so that, that that gives you a bit of a sense of of the importance I allocate to mm -hmm. to good teaching in the classroom, outside the classroom, face to face, online, synchronously or asynchronously, yeah. uh, in the field, in the lab and everywhere else. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and and very often the terms we use don't help. We use sometimes lecturer and uh, and that. Uh, uh, so lecturers lecture. They well, maybe, but maybe not. Uh, yeah. Professors profess. Uh, well, not really. We should be doing other things. We should we should be we should be enablers. Yeah. Uh, we should be enablers of change. We should be. Uh, transformation agents that uh, that make lives better for all 
and, uh, and, 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 I, and I don't see that happening at all times. I, I see that happening and I'm very fortunate to work with colleagues who, 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 who really uh, do all they can and when they can't, they, they know where to look uh, to, 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 to have a, some sort of positive impact on, on their students' lives. Yeah. Uh, I also see those who make deliberate efforts, it seems to me, uh, to uh, to not look and to just stick to the comfort zone of teaching badly. And uh, and, and and I think as a student yourself, you would have you would have you would have experienced examples of both of those and, and anywhere in between. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I was just wondering as well. So. So we've touched on um, now we've spoken about the teaching we've spoken about um, you know undeserved qualifications as well and like this is something that I do want to touch on because from my experience anyway with university fair enough there's a lot of content out there and it's, it's wonderful you know there's, there's so much information that you can take in and there's so much that you can learn and you can like you know you can be like a sponge at university but the way it's set up and you know you mentioned um, maybe the weighting of different components of the course or um, the way everything comes together with exams, courseworks, um, and some things are undervalued, which should really be valued more. I've found anyway that university does feel like I'm just jumping through a bunch of hoops to sort of get a reward rather than learning something tangible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actually, for a lot of people, they'll, they'll do nothing throughout the year. Comes to exam time, a mm -hmm. couple of weeks of, of, of cramming, and you know, one minute after the exam's finished, they've forgotten everything they've learned. Mm -hmm. So, what is the value of, of that education in a sense? Uh, like my question to you would be like, what can be done within university? I know you, you've touched on um, certain things that you, you've implemented at yeah, previous universities, active blended learning. Uh, what what kind of things can be done to sort of change that process so it doesn't just feel like checking some boxes or jumping through hoops and you know you actually get something tangible out of the university well, well part of the answer i think was included in your in your question um because uh inevitably on both occasions when you refer to assessment you use the word exams mm -hmm. uh, you almost i think from what that sounded like to me from my end uh, it, it looked like assessment equals exams and uh, and that's in response to your question that's something that where, where we can make a difference uh, this heavy unsubstantiated reliance on exams is something that can make people feel that they are not jumping through hoops that they're doing something meaningful uh, <clears throat> the argument oh it's always all but my professional body requires me to have exams Actually, that is a cheap argument because uh, on a number of occasions I have been in uh, conversations with colleagues across different disciplines uh, in health, in science, in engineering, in, in, um, in, 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 a, in a range of areas, even in, in, in business, where the argument is, as oh, my professional body requires me to do this. Mm -hmm. And we look at the documentation and it doesn't. What what they want is accountability. They want rigor. They want validity, uh, and you can achieve those things through exams. Sometimes, you could, if you conduct them well, uh, but you can also achieve achieve that in other ways, uh, and uh, with equal 
levels of rigor and accountability. So, um, so one thing you could do about about this 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 prevailing culture of of jumping through hoops is um, is is offer assessment choice. Assessment choice, uh, given a certain number of credits uh, associated with the same learning outcomes, you could say to your students, here are four assessment instruments. You can choose any two of them. Uh, and uh, and you can design the assessment strategy for that particular module uh, on that basis. And the next module would have another four, maybe two or three of them are the same as the previous module, and there's a new assessment instrument. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do like the big five, you know, your exam, uh, <clears throat> assignment, presentation, portfolio. Uh, you, you don't you don't have to always do the same thing. You you can vary, and there's 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 extensive research into this, and there's there's huge benefit for students, for institutions, and for society in 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 thinking about how assessment can shape uh, can shape learning, and how assessment can shape uh, students' attitude to jumping through hoops. So, for instance, if you if instead of taking your traditional modular approach, and that is a problem, this this extreme modularization that we see uh, has its own issues. One of which is, oh, module one, you go off and design it and assess it. Module two, oh, somebody else, you go off, go, you know, run it, design it, assess it. Module three, module four, and sometimes those those modules don't talk to each other. And sometimes when it comes to assessment. Uh, there would be huge benefit in modules talking to each other and having capstone type assessments that that are not implemented because in, in, in fairness, they are harder. They are harder to design and they are harder to mark and they are harder to be fair about. Um, but they provide huge benefits. And if we are going back to the employment obsession, mm -hmm. well, that's an opportunity to design to design assessments that truly reflect the sorts of things that you will find in employment, uh, not things that are completely artificial. Uh, so that, that's that's often known as authentic assessment. Mm. Mm -hmm. we, we, there's a lot more we can do about that. There's a lot more we can do uh, in, in in good design, and, yeah. uh, and 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 that would alleviate the jumping through hoops issue that you referred to. Yeah. Well, thank you. Like, just want to quickly segue to another topic. I'm not sure if this is something that you know you you focused on much in your career so far, but let's just talk about inequality in the education and, like, for example, um, kids that are coming from from poverty, for example, um, compared to people who are coming from more stable backgrounds. How does that affect um, their education? One and two, like, what can be done to sort of mitigate those those effects and and you know address those challenges. Well, the first part is well known and well established through the data. The your your uh, uh, social and economic history does have an impact on your uh, performance and your achievements uh, at different levels of education, and that is often referred to as uh, the, uh, the, the, the 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 gap, the the attainment gap. Uh, in, in in different aspects, uh, not just to do with uh, with uh, with uh, poverty, but also with race 
and, and another another aspects of in the equation. <clears throat> um, uh, the, uh, the 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 attainment gap. Um, some people refer to it to it as the awarding gap uh, because they they shift responsibility more towards the institution, and there's a case for that to be discussed. But um, uh, the harder part of your question is what can be done about it, because um, as as you will appreciate, uh, uh, regardless of your assessment choice, for example, regardless of the flexibility or the instruments or the technologies that you use, regardless of all of that, um, you have to stick to certain standards, and uh, and you cannot go below those standards. So um, so uh, it is. It, it is a major, major challenge uh, for institutions to to square that circle. Uh, you, you, on the one hand, you've got you know that you've got to do more. Uh, on the other, you've got there's a baseline below which you cannot go. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you do that? So, so usual but non non creative solutions include throwing money at support, throwing money at uh, at uh, things like learning and study skills. Uh, throwing money at uh, at providing them with adequate connectivity and technology, uh, essentially throwing money at things, yeah, and uh, uh, or, or or making the journey cheaper, if you like. Yeah. Uh, and those those initiatives have had some success uh, in 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 certain aspects, but they they did not address the fundamental problem that comes from many years before the, yeah. the student got to university. Yeah. And and I would argue that uh, if we knew the answer to that, we know what the problem is. We know yeah. we know that there's a gap, and we know that the gap is, is the result of many uh, social uh, uh, and and economic um, aspects of, of of our students' life. Uh, we know that, but we don't we don't really know the answer. So if we knew, I think universities would be in a very different position today because they would be doing the exact right things to address those gaps to either minimize them or, or extinguish them altogether. They haven't been able to do that. Uh, in, in, in many, many areas, the, the attainment gap is still huge, huge. Uh, and, 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 and therefore, it, it's, it's very hard for me to say, this is what should be done. We don't know. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's, it's known that it's a, it's a serious issue. Things, are, things have been tried and trialed, but, um... You know, when, when issues are complex, mm -hmm. you have to try and find the route. And it seems with this one, that there's, there's many routes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you cut one down, another one will probably grow back. But um, I, I can't I can't help but, but touch on this because everyone would have experienced something to do this recently. So COVID has obviously affected uni education at, at all levels, life at all levels and on different scales. Would you basically just be able to briefly talk us through like, how it's affected um, your higher education and the sort of lasting effects and how it's going to sort of change the way we do education in the future? It, 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 the, the impact of COVID in the last two years has, has been broad and has been deep uh, in, in, in all aspects, in all sectors of education. Uh, in in higher education in particular, um, I, I'll focus on a positive one. Uh, 
it has provided an opportunity for teachers to review their practice. When um, uh, when you shift to emergency remote teaching, uh, and 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 in this case we had to shift overnight to that. Um, people had to really rethink uh, about what they were doing before, what they had to do during this period, and what they might want to do after. <clears throat> so it was an opportunity for them to, to 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 develop as teachers, to think more carefully about their teaching and not just about their content, uh, to think about practices uh, rather than. Um, uh, well, let's just deliver, uh, and 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 that that provided a, an interesting uh, an interesting an interesting challenge to individuals and to institutions um, about what teaching is and how it is done best across different modes of study. Um, teaching is one thing; delivery is another. Uh, that alone uh, proved to be an interesting lesson learned for many, and it's shocking that it's a lesson because they should know it really, they should know better, but many didn't. Many were just learning to teach as they taught. Uh, um, for students, what, what, I mean, you, you, you lived through it yourself. You, you experienced uh, arguably the majority of your, of your studies under, under the terms of the uh, lockdown or, or, or partial lockdowns. So, so you will be in a much better position to answer that than me, but I would say that uh, it, 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 it exacerbated uh, some of the issues that we had seen before. And, um, and it, 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 was a, uh, it was a period when the student experience, the so-called student experience took a very different shape. It, uh, it, 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 you never imagined that you would be, that your university experience would be uh, attending seminars and lectures from your bedroom on a laptop. And uh, and that's what a lot of people had to experience over these these two years. Um, just a brief note on the future and, and what the pandemic can can help us think about. Uh, again, my position is is clearly and unapologetically against going back to normal. Uh, why is that? Uh, because going back to normal implies uh, unlearning or forgetting what we've done in the last two years, uh, which actually has been rather beneficial to many and actually has shaped our own approaches to things. Uh, so from the point of view of, of, uh, of learning and teaching in, in particular, if you think about two variables there, one is proximity, the other is synchronicity. And you think about the traditional campus-based model, you always have high proximity, high synchronicity. So you have, you essentially you go to class. Yeah. Uh, and you go to class where you're in a room at the same time in physical contact with the teacher and with your other students. Fine. Post-pandemic, institutions and, and students alike, uh, they will have to think more carefully about that because what we are already seeing today is a world of less physical proximity, where there is an expectation that what you're doing in the classroom should also happen outside of the classroom, should be available if you're not there. <clears throat> and lower synchronicity, the above, but in my own time. Yeah. So 
this shift, uh, if you have a the two axes of, uh, of, of, of proximity and synchronicity, you're going to the low low. You're going to, the, to, to, a, to a place where there is more uh, activity taking place outside of the real time, same time, same place scenario, and more activity happening uh, in your own time when it suits. Yeah? Uh, and that that is actually quite convenient, not just to the students, but to but to all. And and these things are not mutually exclusive. They have to blend. And and so future blends. And here, here is the kind of the the I think the, the the big lesson going forward. Future blends for learning and teaching, often known as blended learning, uh, they they will differ quite a bit from what most people thought the blends were like in the past. Um, in the past, if you ask people, people, oh, blended learning, the combination of face-to-face -face and online, rubbish. That's 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 not it. We we already knew that before the pandemic, uh, but now we know it even more clearly. The blends involve many other aspects, particularly time, uh, synchronicity or asynchronicity. That's a that's a biggie. And um, and as I repeat, we knew a, a lot about this, and I myself have written a bit about this already. Uh, but the pandemic has made that um, different ap approach to blends more blatant, more in your face. Uh, if you do, if you go back to normal, normal being pre-pandemic, campus-based, same time, same place, then I don't think you 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 stand a very good chance as a university. You've got to do things differently, and that will cost. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. Thanks for sharing all of your knowledge. Just want to thank you for also um, taking the time to come on the podcast. We're just going to leave it there for now. But if you have any closing remarks regarding education, any words of wisdom before <laughs> before we we shut off the episodes, then feel free to go ahead. Okay, uh, I, I, I will I will leave you with um, um, I will leave you with uh, with what. I don't know if it's words of wisdom, but words, uh, uh, and that is uh, content is not king. Con context is what matters. What matters is what staff and students do with content, how they do it, why they do it and who they do it with. But the content alone is not the cause, the resource is not the course. We've got to teach and we've got to teach well. If not, we've had it. Thank you very much, Ali. Okay. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to the GTM podcast. You can catch more episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more, where we try to build our lives one step at a time.